Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Under Matter. I have a very special episode. Two of the founders of Meow Wolf are joining me today. Emily Montoya and Vince Cadillac are joining me. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So where am I right now? This is so exciting. I came yesterday. I like my life is a whirlwind right now. So I didn't really know what I was walking into exactly. And I thought I was meeting you at uh, like the actual Meow Wolf uh, Santa Fe uh, location. And then I actually got to, I felt like Charlie in the chocolate factory. I got a whole tour of the, of the facility where all of the magic is made. What, yeah, what would you, what, how would you describe this place, Emily? What is this? What is Caterpillar to us? Yeah. Well, this, that's kind of exactly what you said. This is our production facility where we make a bunch of art and yeah, like we make all the stuff that we put in our exhibits here. Yeah. We've had this space in like two seven two thousand seventeen, um, and you know before this we were in like a three thousand square foot space with like very little amount of you know building tools and equipment, and then now we're in this like fifty thousand square foot ex caterpillar facility that has like cranes that move along the ceiling and like giant laser cutters, and it's like kind of insane. <laughs> It's so amazing. Well, yeah. first of all, hearing that, so I, I just went to the, uh, um, oh, what, what's the name of House of Eternal? Um, return. Uh, the House of Eternal Return um, today. Uh, it's That's amazing that you built that entire thing in, uh, uh, what'd you say? How, oh. how, how big of a? Like a 3,000 square foot space. <laughs> We're like just walking things across the street back and forth all day long. Like... Well, all right. So, so where to start? What is Meow Wolf? I mean, how do you, I'm so curious to hear how you even describe what Meow Wolf is to people. <laughs> well, um, Meow Wolf, we create immersive art experiences. Um, we started as like a small art collective in 2008 here in Santa Fe um, and over the years we've grown, you know, we were, we were just happy, you know, dumpster diving for materials, doing like temporary shows, renting out little spaces and just like completely filling them with just whatever we wanted, you know, like creating these worlds, these installations. And yeah, over time we, um, just, you know, wanted to find a way to do something more permanent. You know, we wanted to like, what what would happen if we turned this art project into a business? And so we kind of embarked on that whole journey. When you say we, how many people were in kind of the original gang of dumpster diving uh, artists making some of these first installs? I mean, there were like, there were hundreds of people who would work on these projects. It was like, there was no official way to be part of Meow Wolf. Basically, if you showed up, and wanted to do stuff, you could, like there was a key under the mat and you just like unlock the warehouse and you can just go in there and do whatever. And so hundreds of people would, would participate in these projects, but like at the core of it, probably it grew to like maybe like 40 or 50 people who on a consistent basis were kind of coming back, showing up to every meeting, like working on all the projects. Um, and a good amount of those people, I'd say like I don't know, 75% of those people are still working out of this facility today. You know? Wow. So we've been working together for like 15 years, you know. How did you guys even meet in the first place? I mean, I so this is my first time to Santa Fe. I, I, I don't know anything about this area. Is it, is it uh, to 
artists tend to flock here? How, how did, how did 40 to 50 people originally start even coming up with the idea of let's all get together and start creating immersive art spaces? Like we grew up, so we grew up together. So we are in Santa Fe. Like we didn't know each other that, that well, but then like in our early adulthood, we started to like be in the same social scene and just like the, the, the dance party that would happen every now and then in Santa Fe, like we would be at together and like house parties and stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, Santa Fe is sort of this like crazy, uh, nexus, um, for artists and transients and like fringe thinkers and psych psychonauts and just like, it definitely collects like a really interesting perspective. And if you don't really, and it, I would say like Santa Fe communicates at a very interesting level or frequency, like people here communicate in a very interesting way. And I, I think that it also is sort of self-selecting in that way where like people move here you know, from other parts of the country and don't vibe with it. And they're like out immediately. It's like, okay, that's not my spot. But the people who stay or the people who grew up here have like a really interesting, I guess, perspective on the world. Yeah. I, well, so I've, I'm warming up for, um, my shows at area 15 and uh, Vegas, um, meow wolf, uh, location. Is that what you, I, I don't, I mean, it's kind of, how does that work by the way? What's, what's the, what's that partnership exactly? You call it just like the Vegas location of Meow Wolf. Yeah. Meow Wolf Vegas or Omega Mart. Yeah. Yeah. And we're like the anchor tenant at area 15. So we're kind of, we're like the Dillards of area 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I had met Vince during the meet Delic where I first kind of discovered area 15 and pitched the, my show and everything. And I strung together very last minute as Vince, Vince got an email from me like two weeks ago, like, Hey, I want to do a show in Santa Fe. Is Meow Wolf open by chance? I got a different theater in town and it sold out like immediately. I was like, Oh my God. Okay. Well, that's a that's always a fun sign of a yeah. city when the psychedelic comedy show like sells out in a snap. But but more importantly, the audiences there. I was I was telling Emily this is like I felt like I could kind of go further with cerebral content more than like some places I go to. People are like, oh like more out of curiosity, like what's this druggie have to say about life? And then I'm talking about neuroscience or evolution or something. And I, you know, like the, there's varying levels of receptivity and Santa Fe was just like so attentive and, and giving and generous and just such a lovely, uh, lovely group of people in that small experience. Yeah, I got to see the show and it was awesome, by the way. <laughs> and yeah, I'm so happy. Yeah, you got to see that amazing like cross section of Santa Fe that totally showed up. Yeah, it was it was, it was such a it was such a cool uh, group of people, and I I just I tend to like the vibe here. So what when you? I mean, I I guess what was some of the early, um. So you guys were kind of in the same social circles and stuff. What philosophically, what was, what were some of those like early conversations and like some of that early, like sort of mission statement when, when you started figuring out how to collect people together and put together these projects. So like the, it was like, it was 2008. Um, and so we were all in sort of like our, our earlier mid twenties, 
you know, like the term millennial hadn't even been coined yet. Like we had just coming off of two terms of George W. Bush. There was like a real question as to like, where do young people fit into the cultural conversation? Mm-hmm. You know, I think like Obama, you know, right on the heels there, Obama, like, you know, kind of like started to galvanize that. And you started to have like kind of, kind of more like cultural influence from a younger generation. But at the time when we started, it really felt like, you know, we're from here, we're from Santa Fe. Santa Fe is a very artistic city. There's a ton of galleries and a ton of museum spaces. And yet, like, it was really hard for us to find places to show our, our artwork or, or put on performances or throw parties or have any sort of like cultural statement be made. Like there was nowhere for us to do that. You know, it was almost like Santa Fe was like, you know, sunsets and cowboy boots and, you know, much older demographic. The average age is like 50, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was hard for us to find a place in that, you know, even though Santa Fe at its core is like very fringy and very like psychedelic and weird and like, and we were definitely of that track. And so we knew we wanted to just kind of like express ourselves at a very high level, express our imagination and creativity at a very high level and do it publicly. Yeah. And like kind of do it in response in a lot of ways to the sort of like safe and contained and buttoned up identity that Santa Fe had adopted. Mm. And so there was, that was, I think a large part of why we were like lots of colors, maximalism, like loud, loud music. Like, you know, there was like this, this, bottled up, pent up need to just like explode out our creativity and imagination, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Alter the framework, like alter the identity that had been like so established and ingrained and be like, blah, like break it down. It's uh, the, the, uh, the work is so uh, intense. And I, I, I was at the house of eternal return today. I've, I've been to meow wolf. Um, I actually have, I've, I think I spent like three days in, in Meow Wolf or not Meow Wolf, Omega Mart in, in Vegas. But, uh, but today I was just, I was thinking about just how, uh, um, you know, cause I, I was, I was looking at the, the stage space and everything as I'd like to maybe return and, and, and perform there. Um, and I was just, I was walking through and I was imagining if I were on mushrooms or something, what it would be like. And I'm like, I, I wouldn't want to like, this is, this is intense. I felt like, I felt like I'm tripping already. This is, this is a very stimulating uh, environment. And it it's really, it's, there's a nice job of evoking different emotions. I, I like that. I like that there's, cause there's so many, beautiful and visionary things and then there's also like there's creepy weirdness mysterious factor you you pack a lot of everything in this into how how do you try to describe uh like say the house of eternal return to somebody like the style of art but i mean 
what is it even? I'm sitting there like looking at half of a bus popping up from a <laughs> ceiling. I'm like, this is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, well, there really is no one style. It's an amalgamation. Like what we love to do is, you know, make space for people to bring their own visions into the mix and kind of like merge together. So as you travel from space to space, it's kind of like a dreamlike experience where, you know, you're seeing all of these different you know, objects and environments and associations. And you're able to sort of like tell your own story based on who you are and what you bring to the experience. And so we really like to do that and to get and to give the space for lots of people to just like kind of do whatever they want, like bring forth what's within them. And yeah, like find a, a, a sort of organizing logic for it to all fit together, you know, and and rely on the like rely on the participant, the person walking through to kind of be a core part of that organizing logic. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like we we sort of like dissolve the the normal frameworks of order and frameworks of like consistency, consistent aesthetic. Um, we kind of dissolve that. And yeah, there is like randomness, but there also it's intentional and there's like sort of a meaningful design choices around that randomness. Yeah. But we're 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 trying to like create a sense of getting lost. And yeah. then the person who's going through is then the one finding themselves. Like it's now up to them to find themselves. And it's very, I mean, it's very comparable to, I'd say like a psychedelic yeah. trip where like the framework is being dissolved and you're being presented with like a lot of inputs and it's up to you to be able to like choose how you are piecing these inputs together. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, you nail it because it really is the, so I had, I went through kind of twice I went through the first time and then I had I had to step out and make a call and use a bathroom and stuff. And then I went through again. And, and the first time was just so it really felt like that for it, it was almost a little bit like that anxious upswing that I'll have on my, the first hour. That's like it's it's interesting and but and i don't exactly know what's going to happen and i'm like a hair anxious and it's almost a little overwhelming and then you hit that and then and then it like plateaus and then i and then like my second time through i felt really i had the lay of the land and i felt like i, I could navigate and explore a little bit more on my own and it was it was just when you say that that is kind of it's not just random that was a one thing that I really um, uh, was struck by was how how different each room is. But every room, if you just showed someone that room, you'd be like, oh, that's like a meow wolf type room. But then like my favorite one, I'll show a picture. It's OK to share pictures from the uh, of the the black and white um room with the old black and white cartoons it's it's a, it's a kitchen uh dining room like it looks so much different than anything else but at the same time it's like that's meow wolf all right even though it looks very different how do you go about uh, do you do you just give like a room to a single artist or a group of artists or how do you go about creating that diversity while keeping sort of a through line yeah, well, I mean, it's different every time. And like for the house, you know, what we try to do is start out with these like large group 
uh, ideations where we'll just sort of like throw out ideas like what is in people's minds and we'll like throw them up on the wall and it'll be like, you know, jungle gym on the moon or like, you know, capitalist uncle or, you know, like <laughs> all these things. And it was like coming around to like, oh, yeah, like house, like everybody is really interested in this idea of a house being the jumping off point. And so like that, like very like strong archetypal image, like provided a basis um, but then as we developed, you know, we had all kinds of people who just wanted to do like, hey, I really want to make this room that is a black and white kitchen or, you know, like people would be sort of like bringing their own ideas in. And then so we had to sort of think about like, well, what then justifies the presence of all these different ideas within the same space? And so, yeah, like the story really developed around a family um, in this house where something has happened and it has kind of like exploded their imaginations outwards. So you start off in the house and then you go through these portals that open up into other worlds. And yeah. And, and they're like, they're, they're, these other worlds are in some way like the physical um, or like actualization of imagine the imaginative thoughts of the family that lives in the house and was really inspired by <clears throat> Um, have always been inspired by um, Terrence McKenna's novelty theory and like what happens, like what happens at that point in the graph when the graph goes vertical, like when all novel events are happening at the exact same time, you know, which he thought was December 21st, 2012, you know, it turned out it wasn't unless it was, and we are living inside of the novelty now, but um, what does that look like in practicality? And so it's like, are all of like, does this idea of like immediate sort of, you know, instant manifestation of, of your imagination sort of occur at that moment where like all things exist at all times together, um, everything, everywhere at once. And so there was like, that was kind of an impetus too of being like, all right, so how does, how does the imagination, this like pure imagination look when it's, when it's then presented, you know, as if like that portal has been broken and we've now entered the fifth dimension fully, like what does the fifth dimension look like? Mm. One of the, uh, one of the amazing things is the age range of, because I'd only been to um, Omega Mart and it just because it was Vegas or whatever else, it seemed like, at least when I was there, more adult um, people that, and, yeah. but but going going here, the House of Eternal Return, there was lots of kids, and it was the the funny. I was watching too, and it was like kids just got it readily. Like I didn't see a single kid crying. Like if you go to Disney World or something, some kid's gonna be crying because like Goofy's giant and like scares the crap out of them or 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 whatever. They they were they weren't ready to you know you take a kid to see Santa Claus or something. And some of those kids are gonna cry seeing Santa Claus. But like every single kid in this like very crazy trippy like sort of eerie spooky and in, in parts uh creep factor and like some weird halls and stuff just like they they got it they like knew exactly what to do where to go it was just it was fun to watch yeah and we find that um kids you know a lot of times it really makes kids act more like adults and adults act more like kids <laughs> that's, so, that's a funny observation it's, yeah. it's a it's a comfortable environment for them because like unknown environments like environments that are ref that you don't really have a developed reference point for that's the world that kids live in like they don't know the world they haven't established these strong parameters 
of knowing um, that we've developed as adults. And that's like a strong, they, they don't have like the strong system of knowing about the world out, outside of them or themselves yet. And so they're very comfortable in this like unknown, explorable, discoverable world. Adults, it's like they haven't allowed themselves to explore and discover in a long time. I know. know. I was, I was the whole time I was like, what would my parents think of this? I really want my parents to see this because I would like to, I think my dad would be really fascinated by just like, he, he loves thinking about how things are built. He's a builder. Um, um, and I, I just, I feel like my mom, I'm from like a small Midwestern town and very kind of cookie cutter. And I feel like my mom would be like, Oh geez, this is weird. Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah. Then after a while, I don't know. I, I, I really want to take over here. Someday. There's a couple interesting like anecdotes that speak to this. Like one about the kids, like on the first few days of opening the house of eternal return, you know, we we're just kind of hanging out in the exhibit, seeing how people were Rea- uh, reacting to it <laughs> and um this one kid walks into the forest where the like you know the magical forest where the tree houses and everything and like the moment kid gets in there it's like this this like 10 year old girl she like drops to her knees puts her hands in the sky and says i've been waiting my whole life for this <laughs> you know and then like another funny story is like i remember as I was in line, I was in line, uh, or I was, I was like watching the line and in, in line was like this family that was obviously from like, you know, not from New Mexico, probably from the Midwest or from Texas. And mm. the father, you know, was, it's like pretty clear that like probably didn't vote for the president that we voted for, <laughs> you know, um, probably a Trump supporter, but like they're in line and the dad is like really not having it. Like he's yeah. at Meow Wolf and he doesn't know why the kids are excited. Mom's pretty excited, but dad has his arms crossed and is just like not having it. Yeah. And then like a half an hour later, I'm inside the exhibition and the dad is like on his hands and knees crawling around like the exhibit, huge smile on his face, like have <laughs> totally like opened up. Yeah. And it's just like, it breaks down those, it breaks down all of those identifiers that you have. Like when you're inside of Meow Wolf, it like doesn't matter who you voted for. It like doesn't matter who you are on the outside, like in reality. Cause inside of a Meow Wolf exhibition, like none of that shit matters. And so you get to actually for the first, like, like for a lot of people for the first moment in a long time, like be whoever you want to be, <laughs> like act however you want to act. Like there's, there's an opening that portal that you walk through is a portal for your own self-discovery for your own, you know, freedom and, 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 and exploration of possibility, you know? So when did the house open? 2016. Okay, so you, but you were, you were like, were Meow Wolf in like 08. That's when you established that. that yeah. In, okay. That was and, when we were like it an was, informal, like social group, like clubhouse art collective from 2008 until 2015 or so. Eight years. And then you had that. And that was, that was like ribbon cutting ceremony 2016. Um, yeah, grand opening with George R. Martin, which is a key key figure in this whole story. Yeah, tell that Weirdly. story. Like you know, we were we were like seven years into the doing Meow Wolf projects, and though it was like really amazing and like some of the you know best people we've ever met and like some of the best times we ever had together, it was also really taxing because like we weren't making money and we were putting a lot of time and energy into these projects, and um. 
you know, sleeping in like really raw situations when we would go and install projects and just like not having money for materials. And so it was getting very taxing. I, I think Emily, you were you were telling me some of these stories yesterday, right? Of like getting a, a renting an old like abandoned oh, yeah. bookstore or something. <laughs> well, we would get invited to do installations for festivals or at galleries in other cities, and it would always be this like, "We really want to have you, but we don't have much to pay you," you know. And like, "Hey, here's a spot you can stay if you want," you know, because you know we didn't really like have the money to rent a place for you know like. 20 people. So it would often be something like, oh yeah, like downtown, there's this abandoned borders bookstore, you know, like they've ripped everything out of it. All that's left are like, you know, 40 office chairs in the basement. And then just like all these just remnants of like signs and like shelves and stuff and like construction scaffolding. So we would have a lot of fun just like, oh yeah, like we get to create our forts that we get to sleep in, you know, and we would just like, you know, cobble together all these little like structures behind the scenes and then make like a barrier of filing cabinets to separate our sleeping space from the art show, which was being displayed in like the, you know, front windows. So that wow. was really fun actually, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and it just, it was, it got to the point where we're like, okay, if we, if we're going to continue doing this, like we need to really figure out like how to get, you know, be able to like have it be sustainable really is, is was ultimately the thing. Like how do we, pay people? How do we have like full-time artists? How do we like actually build sustainability into this? Um, and so we found this old bowling alley in Santa Fe and the real estate agent that we're working with was like, all right, so how much money do you guys have to put down on a down payment for this building? <laughs> and we're like, we have no money at all actually. And, um, so he had us like write down a list of people who we thought maybe could help. And George R. R. Martin is a, um, is a resident here in Santa Fe who we sort of knew from a previous job that I had uh, working at th the same theater that you just did your show at actually. Right. Yeah. So that's George's theater. And I worked there for a little bit. So I knew George and I sent him an email. Um, Do you want to buy a bowling alley? And, and so he ended up, he ended up doing it. And that was like the, a massive, like, you know, if it wasn't for him buying the bowling alley, there's like no chance that any of this would have ever happened. That's incredible. Yeah. And and so, and, and then it, he was just kind of like basically your landlord essentially. Yeah. He was our landlord. Yeah. He wasn't wow. even a, like an actual like investor yet. He was just the person that we paid rent to. So how, how long did it take to make the first one? And then, it, okay. Answer that first. And then I, I have very closely related follow-ups. It took us about a year and a half to build. That is not a long time. Whoa. Like how, so, so, so for the house, how many people would you say were involved in that? Cause you said 150 kind of, or so or something like 200 people probably. And how different was it then from what it is now? Oh man. Very different. There's like pockets of it that are very similar. Okay. But you know, and I think at the very core, it's getting, it's at least like getting to a point, at least it feels like for me, I don't know how it feels for you, Emily, but at the very core, it's very similar, mm -hmm. but then there's just so many other rings outside of that very core that are like completely different. 
Yeah, we've had to grow a lot. I mean, you know, I say it was fun to sleep in an abandoned borders, you know, but it's like, you know, there's plenty of times where it's like, oh, is is it really going to be fun to be sleeping like side by side, 10 people in a single room, like for the rest of our lives? It's like probably not, you yeah. know, so <laughs> wanting to have more support and consistency and, you know, that has necessitated like creating this whole like you know, company that has all of these support structures built into it. And like culturally, like, of course, it's it's like very strange for us, you know, like none of us ever like worked at this kind of a job, you know, where it was, right. you know, like this kind of a, a little bit more corporate situation, you know, but it's like a lot of it is just like, well, how much of this is necessary, like to actually support people and like make things consistent and give people the most space possible to actually like make the art and like mm. come up with ideas from a safe and supported place. This, this is, and it's all the, like, it's all such a similar conversation where, you know, the, the same thing you experienced at the house of eternal return, this like balance between coherence and, um, you know, in like, and knowing and integrity and like, you know, like a solid framework of understanding versus, versus like the, ser the, the sort of, uh, spontane spontaneity and like space for randomness and space for expression and like the, you know, the elasticity mm -hmm. and it's like the same thing. So like, you know, the house of eternal return and our projects work really well because like the, the framework and the infrastructure is really well set. Like we know where to put solid infrastructure and have things be very, very well known. But then also at the same time, we allow for elasticity and agility within that space. And it's like, we're trying to figure that out within the company itself too. Like where do we need to have like really good support systems and really good infrastructure and like solid processes and solid, you know, versus where can we also just be like elastic and spontaneous, you know? And I think that that's like a, that's like a, that's a neuro neuroscience thing. That's like a, that's like a balance that I think we do have, you know, that people are striving to have in their own brain. Mm -hmm. of like how do i how do i stay like consistent and solid but also feel that sense of freedom and that brings joy and spirit and like real true excitement in our lives mm. you know do you sort of have like exhibits that sometimes things get changed over because it wasn't omega mart first in santa fe and then yeah well actually so was we that did your the... baby that's her baby oh, yeah um, I yeah, have been with Omega Mart since the beginning. <laughs> but yeah, like we started actually in 2009. So what you see in Vegas is the third version of Omega Mart. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, describe Omega Mart for people. I... Ah, well, Omega Mart is America's most exceptional grocery store specializing <laughs> in nationally localized organic recommended products. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love that i love the i love the willie i've shown so many people the willie nelson video that <laughs> oh, you guys yeah. made. that's just like so good uh, so it, it's this it's this uh grocery store with all these wonderful creative uh it, it's it's kind of like if Andy Warhol and Salvador Dali made like a satirical grocery store or something in 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 a way. I don't know. Is that? Oh, that's an awesome compliment. Is, is yeah. that a, a somewhat accurate ish? And then you you go in, and then there's like just like in the house, there's 
portals where you kind of go through a freezer and then there's alien worlds that you're yeah. in and there's mysteries to solve and things. And yeah, I know you got you got to keep everything on the up and up and it's just respectful. <laughs> Yeah, respectable groceries. In, yeah. You know, Mega Mart and like their whole tactic, you know, they're not going to acknowledge the fact that, you know, <laughs> their portals are opening up, that there are difficult spills emerging. <laughs> you know, they're going to come up with a nice euphemism. You know, they want their yeah. whole like motto is, you know, like distract and normalize. You <laughs> yeah. know? Like, distract and normalize. Yeah. Uh, that's fun. Yeah. So, yeah, well, Mega Mart started. So, 2009, we were just kind of like, hey, let's do. Uh, a grocery store art installation in this like, you know, warehouse that we're renting out. And, you know, so it's like getting some donated like metal shelving racks and like just essentially making products out of construction paper or like using actual detergent bottles or milk bottles that yeah. would like fill with like colored paint water, you know, and it would be elk milk, you know, or we would just have all these different things on the shelves. It was kind of more like a, gr a glorified yard sale. Honestly, yeah. we would just like invite people in and be like, Hey, welcome to Omega Mart. We'd be like spilling like paint <laughs> in, in the aisles and like cleaning it up and like wearing the aprons and stuff stuff and so yeah we were we were like this is this is really fun we want to do it again um and the catalyst was when we uh started doing this arts education program called chimera yeah yeah we worked with like a thousand kids in the santa fe public school system to do the second iteration of omega mart which was this time in an actual like storefront here in santa fe not a very big storefront but um we worked with the kids to design a lot of the products. And so we'd go into their classrooms and we'd bring like these, you know, like empty detergent bottles or like two liters of Coke and stuff. And then they would design the labels and their insights into it were so hilarious. Like of like an eight year old kid there, when you gave them the ability to be the product designer and they, they like totally like inherently understood the sort of bullshit nature of marketing and and like consumer marketing That's like they were doing like total like brilliant jokes you know yeah. like justin bieber spit soda like don't you want some don't don't you want your your favorite celebrities saliva you celebrity know, like, backwash celebrity yeah. backwash that's what it was yeah. they did what yeah like giant sponge in a box for cows that have been abducted yes yeah, like so, that kind of thing so that was like the second iteration that was actually supported by the burning man foundation so the burning man foundation wrote us a, a check a small little check but for us at the time it was a it was a it was a solid amount of funding and so that that got the second iteration of omega mart to open but then when we had the opportunity in vegas you know we're like all right we're gonna be in vegas we're gonna be inside of like this like mall type thing area yeah. 15 in vegas can like consumer capital of the world <laughs> so we have to do like a commentary on consumerism so omega, omega mart was like the obvious choice yeah yeah ah oh, that's it's amazing and um, i love that like the most i just love that like the products are actual products you know that you can actually buy the products we didn't just like create props that are glued down onto the shelf that are pretending to be products like all of these things here like plausible deniability you know, laundry <laughs> I, detergent is uh, actual laundry detergent that you can actually buy. You know, it's just like, yeah. 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 You know, we have, we have stuff like uh nut free salted peanuts, which is 100% salt, um, <laughs> nut free, but it may contain peanuts. Um, we've got crystal pepper, which is also salt. <laughs> 
and uh, P2000 Cracker Spackle. <laughs> this is great stuff. Uh, it's another peanut-based product. Uh, works on all shapes of crackers, actually. I think a big achievement for us was who told you this was butter. Can you show that one real quick? Oh, yeah, this is great. Yeah, who told you this was butter? <laughs> on the back, you thought it was this was butter. I can't believe you thought that this was butter. This is definitely not butter. And it's like actually butter-scented air air freshener, like home freshening spray that we yeah. somehow figured out how to get manufactured. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of fun is uh, sort of figuring out the actual supply chain and like who can sort of supply us these products and how do we explain to them like what we're going to do with them. Like that was definitely fun. We had a lot of like products come back with like red lines, just like, why would you say this on your label like, <laughs> like omgmos like are you sure you want to project that image you know like there's like being helpful but it's like oh yeah like we, we just kind of had to like explain what we're doing here yeah <laughs> so and then denver was the next one to open up so how how do things how have projects evolved since since you made the house in uh in 16 and then omega mart how did is it is it still is kind of the core philosophy remained the same since the beginning and, and just finding new ways of expressing or how. Yeah. I'd say like the core philosophy has remained very, very much the same. And then like, what's, what's really changed is just the process, you know, the amount of like, cause we're building bigger and we're building for more audiences, you know, for more people like Omega Mart sees like, a million people a year through there. So you have to like take that into consideration when you're building stuff, like the maintenance of it and the code compliance and all of that. Like it was jam packed in, in Santa <laughs> Fe when I went this morning, I was like, Holy smokes. Yeah. Popular place. Spring break right yeah. now too. So what took us like a year and a half in Santa Fe probably takes us like three or four years now, like in these other exhibits, mm. you know? And so I would say that, that that's the biggest shift is just like how much, you know, design documentation and like budgetary and performa and project, you know, like budget tracking and project management. Like that's like a real kind of new aspect to our process that seems like we're starting to get pretty comfortable with now at this point. You guys seem like you have so many efficiencies built into this and everything now. You're just because then you have another one in Grapevine that opens Grapevine, Texas, that opens in a couple months, three months or something like that. Yeah. This, this sometime sometime in the summer of 2023. And then Houston after that. Yeah. Sometime. yeah. And the Grapevine one's going to be pretty cool because it's like, I don't know, we're going into like a suburb of, you know, of Dallas, of like North Dallas. And you know, it's, it's in, you know, it's going to be inside of the grape grapevine uh, mills mall. Mm. And so it's just like, it's also reaching, you know, like a community that doesn't, you know, normally like in, we're like in downtown Denver or we're in Vegas, like, you know, right off of, right off of the strip or in Santa Fe, which is already like kind of an artistic city, but to be in like a community that doesn't really have that much art, mm -hmm. you know, and be able to sort of like represent weirdness and, um, yeah, just kind of bring yeah, our voice and to like that. Provide a voice for the artists who are there and who yeah. are like, oh yeah, like we're psyched to have a place we can actually put work. Yeah. Dallas is pretty cool though. Oh, like, yeah. I, I mean, is, yeah, it's sure. it's. I lived in Austin for a couple of years, and and my my uh, girlfriend at the time, her parents were in Dallas, and 
I go through that quite a bit. There, there's definitely, there's a lot of different sides of it where you can, or there's like real artsy, like Austin-ish feels in certain areas. And then there's other areas where there's like, you know, you can go and have some barbecue with a bunch of like hillbillies or yeah. whatever. There's just like such a mix. Um, I think it will be such a good fit. Um, do you, do you, so as you kind of expand and, and build these efficiencies, it does it, do you ever, um, do you ever, are there ever days, um, like I can, in my, in my most exciting, inspiring times, even with my favorite projects, there's still days where I'm just like, oh, I should probably eat some mushrooms to write a few more jokes because I'm missing some parts for this one thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, do this. Is there, is there ever, are there ever times where it's like, all right, I'll build this new alien hut. And <laughs> then oh, yeah. that, it must happen. All the right? time, all the time. Yes, it does happen all the time. It is, re- it is really funny, you know, cause you can get like stuck in that reality tunnel, you know, where you're just piece by piece, you know, building this, you know, beautiful, like this beautiful sculpture and just be like, oh yeah, like, you know, you're just like so stressed. It's not looking the way I want. And like, oh, like, why am I doing, you know, like, yeah, you can totally get into a weird mode with it and just be like trapped in this, just like, wait a minute. Like I did this because I didn't want to have a job, <laughs> like yeah. you know, like, but yeah. Yeah. Good, good yeah. luck. It, it takes a lot of work to not have a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, so, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, that, that it's now expanding so rapidly. Um, and then, and then, well, what is that like to, so you go in somewhere like grapevine and you say you're excited to work with local artists. What, what's, how does, as someone that I'm, I find myself networking with various visionary artists in the community and stuff. And I'm, I'm sure you guys must just get, hit up by people all of the time. What's, how do you sort that out? Is there submission processes for things when people have ideas? Do you have your, do you have kind of your core people set? Do you have, when you go into a new area, are you like, Oh, we already know some artists that are in Texas that will tap to, um, yeah, there is, we have a really great artist curator here at, at, you know, in Santa Fe, uh, hand sales who, has done like a really incredible job with our like local artist programs. And, you know, she starts with, I think like finding somebody who is local, who is also then connected to the network of artists. Um, and so, and then from there, yeah, there's like submission, there's like both simultaneously like a submission process, but then there's also some like targeted sort of like people who we know are in that area that we want to work with. And so, um, Yeah. And that's evolved too. Like we worked with a lot of people in Denver and, you know, kind of realized like, you know, it was tough to then like have like all the appropriate, like it was like tough to be able to manage like that many, you know, local artists. And so we're just kind of like figuring that out. And Dallas, I think has like 30 plus local artists that are working on that project. Um, and, but that's like a core part of how we do these exhibitions is it's like, it has to like be largely from the voice of the, of, of the, of the location that you're going to, you know, or else it's, you know, art is so much about like 
a reflection of your environment, a reflection of your place. And so, you know, for us, it's like, that's how the exhibits are going to be authentic and be interesting to that market is if it's made by at least in part impartially by like partially by the local artists. So it's cool though. I mean, I think like we got to, we have been able to build like a pretty incredible network. Um, like you're just saying that there's somebody who did a piece for us that worked with Shane. Oh yeah. Ramin did a piece. Yeah. yeah. Ramin Nash did some yeah. work. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, while he's, he did the, the poster for my show, that's going to be at area 15. So there's crossover. Yeah. I was, I was thinking in some of those rooms, I was like, oh man, I bet Ramin could make something pretty awesome for this. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah, that's I, I, how many, if you had to estimate how many different artists have contributed to Omega Mart over the years. Just crazy ballpark number. Just Omega Mart or everything? Oh, oh, uh, Meow Wolf. I mean, wow. I, I keep on, I keep on mixing up thousands, thousands. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, a couple thousand, few thousand artists probably. And do you guys still ever do any um, festival installations or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we throw our own festival now. Like, yeah. Yeah. What? Downtown, downtown Denver. We we do. Um, Denver Vortex. It used to be Taos Vortex and then we moved it up to Denver. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing that every once a year. Um, and so like, when is it? I didn't know that. It's going to be in August. Yeah. Denver ah. Vortex will be in August. So it's like right downtown. Um, and then, yeah, there will be, you know, we'll probably be doing like activations, at a bunch of other festivals, like some, you know, festivals in Vegas or festivals usually in the, like the cities that were, that we have exhibitions in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like music is a core part of like who Meow Wolf is for sure. Oh really? So what's, what's kind of the, cause I saw the stage today is such a cool place. I'm like, oh, I have to do my show here. This is like getting to do a psychedelic comedy show in this like Alice in Wonderland type uh, insane place. But what's, what is the programming um, generally like if, if people are visiting Santa Fe? It's, it's like pretty diverse, although we do like lean. I mean, we do love like house and techno and, and bass music. I mean, like, so it is electronic music oriented, but there's definitely, you know, a diverse range. Um, but yeah, like we had been, we've been doing music programming since pretty much since day one. Um, and Emily has been a big part of that. Like, booking the talent and like curating the the shows, um, DJing a lot of the parties that we threw. Um, so yeah, that's just been such an important part of our lives. Um, but yeah. multiple, there's like four or five shows in a week almost in Santa Fe. It's amazing because Santa Fe has sort of like my, my understanding is it's sort of a, um, uh, uh earlier kind of city generally like things shut down toward the earlier a lot of yeah. restaurants and stuff and you know like there especially back in 2008 there just weren't a ton of venues you know that were options for touring bands and so we started bringing them in you know just doing like tons of shows in our like warehouse space where of course the power would go out you know <laughs> yeah. like two out of three times yeah <laughs> you know, we had this like amazing halloween party where we made a halloween our version of a haunted house in this warehouse just like totally ramshackle hallways just like 
totally not up to fire code, like just like this maze, this insane maze and had this like wild party. And of course, yeah, like the cops got called and they came in like with their shining their flashlights. And we were just kind of like, you know, in our Halloween costumes, just sitting there like, hey, yeah, do you want to check it out? You know, and so like, yeah, they're shining the flashlight and there's just like, huh. So all this is recycled, huh? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. <laughs> we're like, cool. <laughs> All right, have a good night. <laughs> We're like, yes, oh my god. Yeah. That's amazing. Why why is there not an Omega or why is there not a Meow Wolf haunted house just permanently somewhere? Feels like it's it's uh I want to see a Meow Wolf haunted yeah, house. Someday. Yeah, someday. I think we have like you know, similar with that. It's like we want to create spaces that are unknown and so when you have like certain like genres or themes that are like predictable or already sort of established so we'd have to kind of like really dig into like what is the core of like a haunted house and in a way that that feels you know sort of right it's sort of right for us you know like one of my favorite horror films ever is like midsummer you know and it's like that's a haunt that's like a definitely like a horror film but not at all like what you'd expect Mm -hmm. you know so i think like we'd have to really really dig into that genre you know to pull it off uh what what would you say is um kind of some of the some of the takeaways that you know if someone visits a meow wolf location what do you want people to walk away with? Uh, not not just having had a good experience that day, but kind of when they when they reflect back yeah. on it. The integration aspect of the meow wolf. Good experience. one for you, Emily. I feel. Wow. I mean, yeah that that's a really that's a really big part of like what we hope for is that um, so much of the experience actually does happen after the experience. You know, we like to say like the most important portal we're going to ever create is like the exit door that returns you to the default world. Because then once you pass through that portal, like you get to decide who you're going to be after having been in this experience where you've like made all these choices and you've, um, actually been able to sort of like have a moment of being untethered from that self that you thought you were when you came in. Um, so, you know, like it, it doesn't happen all at once. Like everyone sort of like processes and like reintegrates on their, on their own time. Um, but yeah, that, that's a big part of what we're hoping is that, you know, that people will leave thinking like, wow, like I, I was a co-creator of this experience as I, you know, moved through this exhibit and like ultimately i'm also like a co-creator or you know creator of my own life you know like i am um able to sort of like define my own reality in more empowering ways than i thought before you know so like yeah like if if a fridge can be different i can be different if a grocery store can be different maybe i can be different too Mm. yeah it's just like we know we we really are constantly kind of making sure that the company doesn't just become like a one way like relationship where we're not just like, it's not just like we're producing something and then people are consuming it. And that's that, you know, it's like really important that that, that that's like a full kind of full cycle where then like the people who are experiencing are also part of the production process ongoingly, you know, just even in just their own life, like that, that they're inspired to create. That's like ultimately, I think the goal is like to inspire 
the practice of creativity or the practice of creating in your own life, which could be art or it could be like relationships or it could be like your own career or your own, you know, your own perspective on the world. Just it's that it's exactly what Emily said. It's like putting people in the place where they know that they can envision something and then take the steps towards making that vision happen, Mm. whatever that is, you know? And, and, um, how much in, in terms of that, uh, not being a one way street, how much influence do people have on the art? When, when you say you sat on in the beginning and, and watched people's reaction and everything, are, are there ever things where you, you see people interact with one piece in a way that kind of, uh, it was unexpected or something. And you kind of expand on that idea or it alters, you know, people's reaction to something kind of makes you, um, change yeah, and approach. We started to dig into that a lot. Like, you know, cause a lot of this stuff that we've done in Vegas and in Denver and in Santa Fe, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the first time we've ever tried any of this stuff. So it's like, we're putting this out into the world without having any idea how people are going to react to it. And, you know, we've seen people be super psyched about like musical instruments, you know, when they can like play these, uh, like, the ribs of a, yeah. of a dinosaur thing like yeah. I did today. Yeah. Or there's like a really cool one that I love in Vegas, the music mill by uh, Moldover. And um, it's just like this, like three person custom synthesizer thing that mm-hmm. you can play beat machine type thing. And so like more of that, like co like being able to co-create, actual sound and visuals with strangers around you, I think is something that we've definitely like observed and been like, yeah, let's do more of that. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this is uh, so inspiring talking to you guys. Thanks so much for showing me uh, everything here. This is, this has been such a treat and um, yeah, I I can't wait to visit again. I'm going to spend more time uh, the next time I'm back and, uh, hope to see you guys around in Vegas and stuff too, hopefully. And, and yeah, everyone, please, uh, go to mailwolf.com, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mailwolf.com is like where you can explore the three exhibits we have. And then yeah, Dallas opening this, this summer. So excellent. Well, thank you guys so much. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening everybody.